Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast often deals with graphic, violent and horrific crimes against men, women and children. Please listen at your own discretion. If you are affected by any of the themes featured in this episode please contact your local support charity. It was a very, very unusual type of case. Even crimes which are devoid of any element of human decency are susceptible to a degree of analysis. I, I thought, God, no, they, surely they didn't do it. To be frank, well, we thought he looked like a, uh, you know, a wolf because, you know, he had no emotion, no emotion at all. So the, the evidence against him was probably the weakest. He himself will be killed. Was, that was what I was being very, very careful, very nervous about in, in these days and the, in the lead up to the trial. And he knows that that man has just killed a man. The most notorious murder in Hong Kong. Catching Worms, a Hong Kong true crime podcast. The Braemar Hill murders were assigned case number 40 of 1987. Five men had been arrested. Pang Shun Yi, age 24. Tam Si Foon, age 20. Chu Wai Man, age 25. Jung Yao Hang, age 17. And Won Sam Lung, age 16. Pang Shun Yi was the ringleader described by Detective Nori McKillop when he first saw him as... Very, very evil-looking person. He just exudes, exudes evil. That's the best way I can describe it. Yet, with no confession from Pang Shang Yi and no forensic evidence against him, Detective Nori McKillop had concerns. Uh, so we had virtually no evidence against him except the evidence of the co-conspirator, which would be Wong Sam Long, the youngest one, who was giving evidence in court. The confession evidence and the evidence of the accomplice uh, was handled very, very carefully with a view to avoiding any 
any pitfalls in court where that evidence might be excluded. So that was that was what I was being very very careful, very nervous about in, in these days and the in the lead up to the trial. We we'd wrapped up tightly um, any possibility of any of these statements being thrown out because of some irregularity. You understand, as a voir dire, quite often before the main trial, a trial within a trial to decide whether or not the statements made by the defendants could be evidence, could be entered into evidence. And there are quite strict rules about taking statements from suspects. And if these are not followed carefully, then it's, it happens very, very often, all too often, sadly. Uh, the case falls down because the statements are not allowed to be given in evidence. So we had some forensic, um, but no fingerprints. With forensic in terms of the shoes, I think it was um, against one of them. Uh, Pang had refused to give any evidence whatsoever or to give any statement whatsoever. So the, the evidence against him was probably the weakest. Island School was a school for expatriate kids whose parents had moved to Hong Kong to get good jobs as businessmen, bankers and lawyers. The teachers, parents and students had been devastated by the events months earlier. Yet, we're now involved again in the case as teacher from Island School, Chris Force explains. The um, prosecuting attorney was Jim Chandler, who was a parent at Island School. Uh, one of the defence um, attorneys was Guy uh, uh, Allardyce, who's also a parent at Island School. I, I went down to the trial for a couple of hours uh, and I, I was in disbelief uh, when I saw the two youngest appear in the witness box. I didn't know. I thought, what, what are these kids doing here? They look like a couple of choir boys. Because um, the youngest was 15 and the second youngest was 16. And they looked even younger. They were just little Chinese kids. I said, what are they doing here? And then the other three came in. And I thought, God, no, they, surely they didn't do it. And then I saw these kids and I thought, my goodness, one of them was shopping the others. I mean, what they did in the trial was to use each as evidence against each other. Yet, not everyone had doubts when they first saw them in the dock. Tony Flores was a radio reporter and attended the trial. He recalls his first impressions of Pang Sheng Yi. To be frank, well, we thought he looked like a, uh, you know, a wolf because you know his his look was very strange you know uh, he was he had no emotion you know, no emotion at all just sat there quiet throughout the trial pang may have been emotionless but he was one of very few in the courtroom who could present such a demeanor i covered part of it yes uh, the trial yeah people listened uh, to how to every single detail, it was very, uh, it was a very horrible attack on the two teenagers, and uh, when you know a lot of people got very emotional, you know, when they heard how they were uh, attacked and, and murdered, and Nicola Myers how she was sexually abused. They were really strongly practicing Roman Catholics. I mean, Mrs. McBride always believed that Kenneth had gone to a better place. I mean, her serenity through all this was really quite unbelievable. One of the jurors was asleep. I remember that. Could you be asleep? He was just dozing off. 
I mean, the trial went on for days and days and days. And there had to be a translation service, of course, because they were all Cantonese speaking. On the 20th of January, 1987, Jim O'Connor passed sentence on all five of the attackers. The eldest three, Pang, Tam and Chu, were sentenced to death. Six years later, this was commuted to life in a high-security prison. As Wan and Chung were minors at the time of the crimes, they were given a more lenient sentence to be detained indefinitely on Her Majesty's pleasure. After the handover in 1997, those prisoners detained at Her Majesty's pleasure were passed to the discretion of the Chief Executive of Hong Kong, Tung Chi Hua. He had been given the old-fashioned sentence for for juveniles for murder, which was, you'll be detained during Her Majesty's pleasure. And this created a conundrum in 1997 when the handover came, because Her Majesty's pleasure wouldn't cut any ice anymore in the legal system in Hong Kong after 1997. And uh, it created a dilemma as to what to do with the people who had that sentence. After the handover, Hugh McBride, Kenneth's father, wrote to the chief executive of Hong Kong. Still grieving his son's death, he asked for the chief executive to forgive Wan Sam Lung. Wan Sam Lung was the only killer who at the trial had confessed his role in the gruesome murders and stood as a witness for the prosecution. Wan Sam Lung had been a cook in a local restaurant. Prior to the crime, he, like most of the killers, had no criminal record beyond minor misdemeanours. He was 16 at the time of the attacks. Hugh McBride and his wife had since left Hong Kong and returned home to Inverness in Scotland. I asked their teacher, Chris Force from Island School, if he would have been able to forgive them. I know that um, the families publicly uh, forgave the younger two. Um, do you forgive any of them? I'm not sure. I'm not sure forgiveness is the right word. I don't believe it's for me to show forgiveness. It's for the family to show forgiveness. And the fact that Hugh McBride went public after 19 years of imprisonment of the youngest one um, to say that he does believe that it's time that they be restored to society and that he he did forgive them. One Sam Lung, on the 29th of September 2004, walked out of the gates of Stanley Prison into a sea of journalists. He claimed he felt enormous sorrow for what he had done. The young man who was released was very reassured by that, wanted to make an apology. Um, I had this message a few days later from an anonymous source through a journalist to ask if Wong could be put in touch with the parents. I, I wrote to Hugh to say, I didn't say, I just said I had this. I said, you don't need to respond to it. This is this is what I have been asked to do. Uh, he gave a lengthy reply as to why he would not meet young Wong. But, but the forgiveness aspect was a very, very powerful uh, and, and was certainly appreciated by the younger of those culprits. In the South China Morning Post, upon his release, Wan Sam Lung was quoted in saying, 
I know the harm I have done to them is irredeemable. I just want to say sorry to them and thank them for their forgiveness. And the family forgave, uh, you know, one son, forgave him. It's a very big thing. This is journalist Tony Flores. Would you forgive? <laughs> to me, I don't think so. You know, that after how horrible you know, the, 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 the injuries that they suffered. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God this didn't happen to, to my family, but uh, whatever, I would never forgive because it's, you know, the injuries. Mm -hmm. It's just horrible. After spending 17 years in Stanley Prison, on the 13th of December 2004, before the Right Honourable Judge Pang, Cheng Yao Hang, appealed his sentence. John Haynes was assigned by the Director of Legal Aid to represent him. And at that stage, I was assigned to represent the young uh, teenager. And um, it was my job to try and get him a fixed sentence which would allow his almost immediate release. Even crimes which are devoid of any element of human decency are susceptible to a degree of analysis as to what particular level of responsibility or liability each person had. Cheng Yohang had been abandoned by his father at the age of four and left in an orphanage. As a teenager, he was taken back by his abusive father. Dropping out of school, he tried to find work doing menial jobs in restaurants. However, with little experience, work was hard to come by, and after losing one of his jobs, his father disowned him again. Chung was left homeless at the age of 14, left wandering the streets, until recruited into the Fuki Hing triad group by Pang. He'd come from a, a busted home, and he, his father, his new stepfather, didn't like him and he'd been chucked out of the house, so he was homeless at the age of 15. And the only way he got any money to get food was by opening doors for taxis at the Martau. And of course, those people who were allowed to open doors and get tips were only allowed to do it by the local triad, who at the end of the day came and took all their money, but gave them food and lodging. And this displaced poor teenager was living that kind of life. and. Um, uh, his boss man, he told me once, which I thought graphically illustrated the difference, he said, yes, they gave us some kanji every morning in our lodging, but the bosses had meat and stuff in their kanji and we only had rice. <laughs> Just unimaginable. Now he had found food and lodging in return for any money he could earn in tips opening doors for people at the ferry piers. In Chung's appeal, clinical psychologists assessed if this young killer warranted forgiveness. Mr Francis Butt, the clinical psychologist from the Correctional Services Department, noted a strong sense of responsibility and genuine remorse. Dr Anita Lung, a private clinical psychologist, was quoted in the case files when talking of Chung. He aspires to be the master of his own life. To be the master or leader... Maybe this is something he'd not been before, powerless that day under the leadership of Pang. 
Detective Nori McKillop was not so sure. He had a history of uh, sexual assault. None of the other ones uh, had such a history. So Pang was definitely the ringleader. And all of them took part in the beatings, again on the insist- insistence of Pang Shan Yi, so they say. So they all point to Pang Shan Yi. Um, they, 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 they seem to be saying that he coerced them into doing, to, to the raping and, and killing these two youngsters. Whether that's true or not, I can't say. Um, they all took part in the murder, but whether or not it was entirely because Pang Shan Yi had uh, threatened them all to uh, to take part, I'm not totally convinced. Yeah, he confessed, and then he. Um, I remember some of them were uh, they testified in saying that it was Pang who ordered them to kill uh, the, the two teenagers because if they don't do it, um, he would kill them, and they were forced to to. Uh, uh, take part in the murder, and I think I believe uh, also the the, the um, attack on uh, uh, Nicola Myers. I said to the court that uh, he was told by the boss Pang that Pang would kill the boy if he didn't help out and get involved in the attack. Oh, there was five of them. Um, it would be improbable that Pang and Yi alone could force them, by coerce them into all take, taking part in the murder and rape of two people. They could run away if they wanted to. They didn't have to take part in the killing and the rape. So I, I can't put myself into their minds, but um, I find it unlikely that they were totally coerced into taking part in, the, in these brutal murders, particularly the older ones. The younger one, Wong Samong, possibly. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the original trial, 
Wan Sam Lung pleaded guilty to the two counts of murder and gave evidence for the prosecution. He appealed his sentence and was released with forgiveness in 2004. On this basis, John Haynes Esquire was fighting for the same sentence for his client, Chung Yao Hang, who, like Wong, was also underage at the time of the murders. And I was trying to say to the court, put yourself in, this, in the body of this 15-year-old teenager who's faced with a man who tells him that if he doesn't do something in the crime, he himself will be killed. And he knows that that man has just killed a man because the boy teenager was killed first. The circumstances are so terrifying that even the most upright citizen might be inclined to make a gesture of joining in with the attack. Hmm? Do you think that's 100% true? That, 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 he, that he threatened them all? Because there was four of them and one of him. They were very young and they were, uh, he was quite tall. He was quite tall and these, uh, you know, they, remember they were quite young kids. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were you know, afraid of him and he just took his orders. Because he was a tribe member, although he was not. Later on, I found out that he was not a, a high ranking, but he was, you know, a low ranking, uh, but he was still a tribe member, you know. What I said on his behalf was that. John Haynes, counsel for Chung, argued before Mr. Justice Frank Stock and two other High Court judges, including Mr. Jeffrey Marr, that the sentence imposed on his client was too severe given the boy's belief that Pang would kill him if he refused to help out with the murder. This is barrister John Haynes. And all I said was that I knew that a threat to kill if you don't do it, in other words, duress, is not a defence to murder, but it should be an enormous form of coercive, enormous mitigation, particularly if it is combined with the immaturity in the face of a mature, fearsome leader. But I know those kind of cases live on in Hong Hong Kong's memories, and certainly lives on in mine. I just remember saying to the court, the fact remains that there is no evidence whatsoever to contradict a very reasonable claim that the two youngest were in fear of their lives if they didn't cooperate with the orders of the boss. Whilst in prison, Chung Yao Hang enrolled in a degree course in translation at the Open University of Hong Kong, as his barrister explains. Well, he'd already done a lot of time and he'd been using his time to learn English and spending a lot of time in the library. And by this time, he was quite an intelligent boy and serving time in fairly uh, humanitarian circumstances where he learned quite a lot. And by the time he I met him, he could speak good English and write it. Wan Sam Lung and Chung Yao Hang were both released in the early 2000s. Tam died of cancer in 2009 at the age of 45, having spent over half his life in jail. Pang Sheng Yi and Chi Wa Man remain in a high security prison to this day. Part of me thinks, I wonder if, you know, these kids, the kids that Nicola and Kenneth met that day up on Braemar Hill, if they had had access to more education or, you know, more support financially, maybe these types of things, that type of thing wouldn't have happened. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, when you look at the background of the youngest two, the younger two, uh, they came from housing estates, they were... I think they probably left school when they were 14 or 15. They were 
scavenging for money at the Jordan Road taxi ranks, opening doors for people. Um, they were sort of befriended by triads. They were being initiated into triads. I mean, they came from very, very poor backgrounds. So that's often the, the thing that I think that, that perhaps is the most cruel aspect of the whole event was that certainly the younger two were among the very sort of people that Kenneth and Nicola would probably have wanted to support. In memory of Nicola and Kenneth, the school set up the Nicola Myers and Kenneth McBride Memorial Fund. The school consulted with the parents as to how we might best honour their memories. And it was felt that the best thing that we could do as a school is to raise funds to help the least fortunate in the Hong Kong community who had aspirations to continue their education past the age of 15, which was the school leaving age at the time, but for whom uh, sixth form education would be expensive. Uh, so funds were raised, uh, a fund was set up, uh, and monies were withdrawn every year uh, to give what maybe up to 10 students some sort of assistance, whether that be the purchase of books or even transport to school in some cases. Every year there's a little ceremony uh, and these, these awards are given to up to, I believe, 10 young people in Hong Kong. Uh, and um, in, for many years, the parents and Kenneth's sister, Marion, who also incidentally became an island school teacher, um, presided over that ceremony. The fund aims to support underprivileged sixth formers from across Hong Kong. Every September, the principal of Island School writes to more than 400 other schools in Hong Kong, asking them to nominate the students with aptitude, but not the financial means to continue in higher education. I asked teacher Chris Force if he felt the fund reflected the values of Nicola and Kenneth. Well, that's partly why we chose to make the fund what it was in support of poorer people, because they were very highly socially aware. They were much more rooted in global justice for the least fortunate. Yeah, they were, they were pretty grounded, uh, but they're very, very passionate about the things that they believed in. So they would have supported, yeah. I mean, the whole fund was predicated on wishing to uh, remember what they stood for, and that was to help the least fortunate. Kenneth and Nicola were also renowned in our school for their great spirit of charity and their great sense of wanting to do good for the least fortunate among us, uh, not least um, the poor in Africa. Uh, uh, they were both part of a, of a group in our school uh, that were fighting against the injustices of apartheid. Um, the day before he died, Kenneth McBride had given a school assembly on the evils of apartheid. Uh, and that was almost the last thing he did in his school career, uh, because that was his final day at Island School. And I can remember Nicola leaving the hall at the end so proud, sort of really wide-eyed. Oh, he was so good. Uh, and in fact, both of them had brought in cakes to sell to raise funds to buy stamps so that they could send parcels of clothing to children in Africa. That was the sort of people they were. They, they epitomised all that was best in young people, all that was best among island school students. 
And so in memory of them, we try to conduct ourselves as they would have wished to carry on life, uh, remember them, but to also remember what they stood for, which was optimism, compassion, sense of justice. The fund is still running to this day and open for donations. If you would like to give to the fund, please see the information in the show description. This podcast has been about the memories of the teachers, the case notes of the officers, the reports of the journalists, the events of the trial, but ultimately the lives of two young people who today should have careers, families and a lifetime of memories that were taken away from them on the 20th of April, 1985. To end... I want to leave you once more with the poem Kenneth wrote to Nicola that celebrates their lives and their love for one another. Together, Kenneth to Nicola. Essence of the precious hours spent with you shall never fade in the book of my memory. Your soul's faithful and selfless tranquility and the bright-eyed compassion it always knew shall never fade when I think of you. Together our wind-washed minds raced to the sea and soared above the nets of destiny. Together our strengths tempered as we grew. Beside you, time and pain would slip as our laughter and your gentle smile replaced the loneliness. Blown away over the green stones and brown earth, so much more than the sole sound of breathing and, though perhaps silence is the best communicator, I shall always smile and remember when I think of you. With special thanks to Detective Nori McKillop, Detective Trevor Collins, Chris Force, former teacher at Island School, Robert Reed Kay, John Haynes Esquire, and journalist Tony Flores. And thank you for listening. Next time on Catching Worms. Yeah, he gave me a call and said, look, I've got, I can't tell you much about it. I've got this um, big operation coming up, though. We need some undercover agents. Uh, is it something you'd be interested in? I'm dealing with people that don't really know very much about yachts. They want me to go and be the person that buys a decent yacht and then sell it to Australia. Something funny is going on. Um, because we, we knew there might be weapons involved, and we but we had no idea. We might have to kind of nudge him off the boat or something if things get difficult. Met another guy who actually turned out to be the main supplier of the heroin. Got a, you know, an undercover narcotics bureau agent on our boat and uh, taking him out for a sail. He thought this was all tremendously exciting. This has been a Create podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. 
you can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. Catching worms. Zhuk chong. This term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying zhuk chong yap si That involves putting said worms up your rear end, which to anyone's imagination definitely spells trouble indeed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.